It's cover B. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're back. That's right. We're coming to you live from a apartment with no air conditioning because our, our AC's out this week. So we're in our recording closet, sweaty and miserable. Um, Everything's sticky. Yeah, it's it's rough. <laughs> so if there is a little bit of background noise, it's the portable AC unit in the room next to our closet. It's we're not trying. enough. It's not enough. <laughs> But we are here to talk to you about movies, and we have yes. good news. Um, either sometime around before this come b- before this comes out, or af- be after, uh, we will be getting back into doing the regular rotation. I had a bunch of life stuff shaking things up. We were traveling a bunch. We had weddings and things like that to go to. So we were just like, let's take a summer break. But summer break is officially over. Um, And so we will be diving into what I think we should consider season two of Cover B. Yeah! um, You know, three years into it. I know, right? No, but that's awesome because now I can actually notate season two. Yeah. A lot of podcasts do that. So we'll we'll, we'll play it that way. But um, anyway, we are here to talk to you about The Suicide Squad. Yes, we went out and saw the newest DC movie, The Suicide Squad, featuring Margot Robbie, uh, Will Smith, and some others. No. I swear this movie already came out. Um, Honey, honey. Wrong movie. New which, movie. James Gunn. Which one did I see? The bad one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not fair. <laughs> David Ayer, you did the best with what you had. It's true. <laughs> but yes, we saw the new one uh, with John Cena, Idris Elba. Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie uh, and others. Who there's a ton of people in there, so it's hard to really name. Yeah, all of we them, can't but. name everybody. It'll be the whole episode. Uh, for those who don't know, the Suicide Squad is a team of supervillains that are uh, drafted into this Task Force X, uh, wherein they are given the chance. They're from Bell Reve Penitentiary in Louisiana. Uh, they are given the chance to work off years from their sentences by doing dangerous missions where they might die they are also given uh, a fresh new accessory the hottest thing out of milan it's a bomb in the base of their skull yeah. um and if they desert the mission their heads will explode this is the second suicide squad movie i mentioned as in the bit in the beginning the will smith david ayer one uh that one came out Three years ago? Four years ago? Five years ago? A while ago. He's going to research it on the fly. Um, 2016. Five five years years ago. ago. So uh, in 2016, we had a Suicide Squad movie. It had Margot. It introduced us to Margot Robbie's uh, Harley Quinn. Will Smith played Deadshot. There was also Killer Croc, uh, Captain Boomerang. Uh, We had the Joker in there in the mix. Um, it didn't do well. It was not a critical darling. It was torn up pretty hardcore. We actually talked about it, didn't we? We yes, did an episode I think on so. it. No, was that maybe? before we? I think that was before. 
I think that was the before well, times. Yeah. Okay. Our <laughs> our personal opinions on it is that it's a good popcorn movie. Uh, it's a good kind of like if it shows up on one of your TV channels, it's worth putting on. It's kind of like the Doom thing. movie. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. And honestly, it has the same issue that the Doom movie had, yep. which is it just took itself a little too. Took itself seriously. very seriously. It didn't provide a lot of character development. Uh, there wasn't a lot of heart to it. It tried to have heart and be like, look, these are bad people, but they're sweet. But it didn't really know what message it was trying to get across. And that's something I'm going to talk about with this movie, where this movie succeeded, where that one did not. But yep. um, anyway, flash forward to 2021. Uh, we now have a new Suicide Squad movie that's been in production for a year or two. Uh, it returns Margot Robbie's uh, Harley Quinn who has also had her own movie with Birds of Prey. Um, no one else. A bunch of new people. New cast of characters. Uh, tons and tons of characters. Really like B-level, C-level supervillains and non-supervillains in this. But uh, we see the Suicide Squad trying to take down or affect a militaristic regime in a nondescript, like, latin american island country yeah um and there's some sort of big scientific ex-nazi program that they're trying to take out but t yes. what did you think i really really enjoyed this movie um i actually someone recently described it as a lot and it is kind of a lot but the thing that's good about it being a lot is that it finally Finally, a DC movie doesn't take itself so seriously. Yep. Finally, it lets it be weird and goofy and bizarre. Because that's the thing about the DC universe. More so than the Marvel universe, in my opinion. The DC universe is freaking weird. It's kind of campy. weird yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's like the level... The only thing that's even comparative, in my opinion, in Marvel is like the Fantastic Four stuff has that same level of, like, camp and gooberiness. And the back, like, deep back volumes of DC are just strange. But they should be treated as such. And we are in an environment now, we have been through so many of these superhero movies, the general public has seen so much weird stuff mm -hmm. in this genre that it doesn't take much to, sus to suspend your disbelief anymore. Yep, you can do weird stuff and people are like oh yeah no yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, I, that's yeah, fine with me cool. yeah so to give this to james gunn who is a creature feature man at heart mm -hmm. to do weird stuff with weird people pulling out the dregs of the dc universe but then giving them heart and levity thank god looking at you snyder not saying <laughs> like bright colors and weirdness and humor and you know animation in the middle of a harley quinn fight scene like it's just it's nice to see someone acknowledge how goofy this universe can be and how that's nice yeah. there's nothing wrong with the weirdness of the dc universe it's better to just embrace it for the love of god yeah exactly it's what I've been saying for a while, and is it's nice to see the movies finally kind of 
drafting toward like drifting towards that um because i think it's the necessary evolution we need to stop we need to get away from trying to explain you know both origins for things as well as like the science behind things or make this work in a real world perspective just let things exist yeah and i think you know to an extent, Marvel's getting there as well, particularly in their TV shows. But DC was definitely the first, in my opinion, to really, like, go there. Yeah. Marvel kind of touched on it. They released Doctor Strange, and they were like, hey, look, it's magic. Just deal with it. But they still had these kind of, like, look, he's connected to the Infinity Stones. That's why he's able to do certain things. And, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Like, it was still kind of... And they made Dormammu less of a, like, kind of weird demon devil type creature and more like a gaseous space monster and it was it's like every time they try to go there they they you know they stay in the shallow end yeah and in my opinion with shazam really uh for dc they just went full in deep end and, and that it was worked. that was really the <laughs> point that the superhero thing started just like you watch Loki and at no point are they trying to really make sense of how stuff works or, you know, it's a bunch of fudge science that they just kind of dis like, oh, we do this because blah, blah, and then it's done. Um, you know, you watch Scarlet Witch and she doesn't have to have any reason for her powers to be able to do this stuff. They're just doing it, you know, and I it's, mean you know, they're finally kind of diving into this idea the movies are finally catching up to where they need to be, in my opinion, with this idea that not everything needs an origin or an explanation. You can just do things and let them exist because people are familiar with superheroes. Like yeah. The whole idea that everything had to be like way back in the beginning of the MCU, particularly with Thor, was Thor when they was really rough. started to dip into it of like, oh, you know, what I know is science, you know, is magic and stuff like that. Yeah, it's right? It's like... Way back then, they weren't sure how many people knew or could swallow what superheroes right. were. Exactly. And now we're kind of at a place where they're like, oh, that's right. People have ingested superhero stuff for years. Cartoons, video games, earlier movies and stuff. We don't need this. Let's mm -hmm. just let it be. Yeah. Um, I will say... I think the one, the one spot in the Marvel Universe that didn't you know, try to explain itself away or get too deep. It it did have a shallowness of like aliens question mark, but Guardians of the Galaxy, there's a raccoon, there's a tree, and once again, James Gunn never had to search like true, yeah. he didn't have to argue like this is how Groot exists. It was just like he's a tree, he's an alien, get over yeah, it. Yeah, like <laughs> Like, I think it is what it is. They I, are what they are. Stop trying to think too hard about it. <laughs> I just, I would love for the MCU to get to a point where Drax could be a saxophone playing human that got turned into Drax the Destroyer. It's you know true. what I mean? Like, yeah. like, and I feel like if you did that, especially in a movie with a tone like Guardians of the Galaxy has, people would buy people it. People would just be like, okay. Yeah. No. I believe you. Yeah. Why not? Um, and it's, this definitely, yeah, you're right. Like, this definitely is another installation of DC movies that simultaneously doesn't take itself too seriously and isn't trying to make things make sense in people's heads. Yeah. It's just, here are these characters. Here's what they can do. She controls rats with a glowy stick. Congrats. He's an indestructible shark guy. <laughs> there you go. And you know, the cutest little booger. Oh, I love King Shark. He's so cute. <laughs> 
Um, for me, and I wanted to hit on this. This is kind of my main point about this movie because I think a lot of people are going to. It's it's natural to make comparisons between this and the other Suicide Squad. Yep. Because it's a very confusing world that the DC universe is building up. People get fired and then they get asked back. We get Snyder cuts and then the Snyder cut gets explained away and then it comes back and then we have TV shows and, you know, now we have TV shows that are because Peacemaker is getting a TV show with John Cena. Which is awesome. So this is a TV series that's connected to the DCEU, but not the Arrowverse, but not the like animated, you know what I mean? Like it's... It's all over the place. The DC stuff is everywhere. And I think at some point they're going to just need to say, we don't care anymore. Make your own universe. We don't give a shit and just move on. Or just make every, like, find franchises that work and build universes off of those. Yeah. So have a Shazamverse. Have a, and you can have your own Superman and Batman and Shazamverse. And then have a, you know, the Justice League verse, which is the one that the Flash movie and Wonder Woman is in and any future Man of Steel installments if we get them. And you can do whatever you want with those and then have like a Suicide Squad verse. And while that would be very muddled, it at least gives people hope of a sequel to certain things and hope yeah. to see characters again. Because that's the biggest hit that people get with these movies is you go in and you're like, man, that was... I really enjoyed parts of this. I really enjoyed so-and-so's portrayal of so-and-so. Shame. You know, and then you yeah. just move on. You know? Um, it's like the Birds of Prey cast. I loved all Everybody. of them. I loved <laughs> how they portrayed their individual characters. I don't think I'm going to see them again. I know. I really don't think we're going to see any of them again. And that sucks. You know? And this one. Like, I loved... Idris Elba as Bloodsport. I loved Ratcatcher. I loved uh, even it's cool that we're going to see Peacemaker again, but I don't know if I liked him as much on his own. You know right. what I mean? So but I don't, we're not going to see them again, <laughs> you know, but anyway, it's it's I think it's it's going to be natural that we're going to see a lot of people making comparisons between the two. And, yeah. you know, it's going to be easy to just say, well, this one was good and that one sucked. OK, moving on. But I think the real, first of all, there's a lot of subtle, almost poetic things that James Gunn and the writing team and the DP and all that did in this movie. Like, there's very, very subtle things that when you really, like, break them down are beautiful. And I've had conversations about those, and I don't want to talk about those as much here uh, because it makes me sound pretentious. Um <laughs> But, you know, when you watch this movie, give it a very, very close watch and listen to the rhythm of things that are said and then things that are shown. Right. James Gunn has always been very good about introducing a premise through dialogue and then immediately cutting to something that if you attach to that previous premise is just beautiful and yeah. very like poetically done. And he, he loves does... to do a visual metaphor. Exactly. He does that a lot in this um, and they're very, very well done. But I think the real takeaway is that this had a message it wanted to share about its characters and it knew going in what that message was and how it was going to build that message into something more complex than just like these are bad guys but they're fun you know what i mean yeah. so the first one was like oh you know these are bad guys they've done bad things 
you know, we've shown your, but then they were all just kind of broody and sad. And it was like, I'm sad about my daughter and I'm, I'm sad cause I'm ugly and I'm sad cause I'm crazy. And I'm sad cause I explode in fire from time to time. People who don't touch me, I'm literally a fire. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, it's, it was just too basic of a message and it didn't really have a lot of direction around it. It was like, these are bad guys trying to be good. And that was it. And that's where we left it. Yeah. And this movie was more like about finding nuggets of goodness in people that are otherwise bad. And we see that a lot with Bloodsport. He spends most of the movie being like, there's no good in me, you know, but then he ends up wanting to help his compatriots and he, you know, ends up doing very heroic things. And so it's about like finding the good and then it's about finding that good with the help of your friends. It's entirely just a movie about friendship. Yeah. It's 100% a movie about bonding with people wherein you were thrown into a situation just to work with each other. It's about finding common ground and bonding with people. Right. And I think it has that as like a blanket premise and then it has this goodness like finding the nuggets of goodness is a more specific premise and it just delivers this delicious message sub sandwich better, <laughs> you know, because yeah. it has all the components. It's got the bread of this like bonding, finding friendship in difficult places. And then it's got all the filling of like finding goodness and what what is the nature of goodness? What is the nature of morality and her heroism, right. you know? And all that's deep down in the middle there. And I think, you know, I want to speak to the fact that not only did James Gunn want to tell something about these characters specifically, but he wanted to make the characters real and feel very real. And he did mm -hmm. that by casting in a very specific way. He did that by, like, letting the actors do the characters how they saw fit. Like, Harley feels perfect because Margot knows exactly how she wants yeah. Harley to be. And James is like, yes, I agree with you. Do it. Do it. You feel her. You know who she is. Do it. And like the casting of uh, David Desmalchian uh, for yeah. Polka Dot Man. And that was very personal because he has in real life vitiligo and it effectively has caused him. It's an autoimmune disease that affects the pigmentation of your skin. Mm -hmm. So he has polka dots. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, I related to this character more than anything I've ever done in my whole life. It's like it was made for me. And the fact that it effectively was. Like, James is like, no, I want to do these characters, and I want the people playing the characters to relate because yeah. that comes through. And you see that in a difference. Like, I don't want to compare apples to oranges, but, like, Will Smith playing Deadshot was very much Will Smith playing a Will Smith role, not necessarily, like, giving it a ton of unique personality. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you could compare other roles that he's done that he doesn't necessarily feel super strongly about, and I they feel, like, feel very yeah, similar. I feel like the 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 direction they had for Deadshot just wasn't very solid. Yeah, they didn't seem to have like a personality set aside for. Yeah, him. and because Will Smith could have worked with anything they gave. Him. I agree. And if they wanted him to be, you know broody really aggressive like the last one to really give into this bonding thing and like really mean to his teammates and just disrespecting them and stuff like that he could have played that if I they agree. wanted him to be more of a bleeding heart like badass with a heart of gold they could have played that 
But I don't feel like they gave him enough to go off of. I think they told yeah. him, you are a convict who is a world-renowned, notorious hitman who can hit anything with any weapon, and you're trying to protect your daughter. And that was it. And it's and, the most generic movie plot in yeah, the world. Yeah, and then, <laughs> and then he just had to play that. I don't feel like they gave him enough, like... Here's what your character. There's not proper motivation. Is. There's and not proper yeah, behavior. Exactly, like, and you can tell in this movie, and this might speak to James Gunn. It might speak to just the cast and their bonding and their chemistry. The writers, the writers might have had good script notes and things like that. Um, so I can't. I don't know who to give the credit to, but somewhere down the line, maybe the whole team really had an idea of what each and every one of these characters was. Yeah, exactly. And you know, if you go back and watch the original suicide squad even harley wasn't really what we know of harley she didn't really like margot robbie didn't really fall into that character until birds of prey and now this to really like get harley quinn she was kind of just this slightly wild thug character and it's it fit with what they seem to be going for with like the joker and stuff but it, it felt like another attempt to take this character that's really bombastic and larger than life and cramp it down to fit into a modern space. That's not why we go to movies. No. We don't want to see larger-than-life characters put into this box of our real world. We just want to see those larger-than-life characters. And it's not why we love those larger-than-life characters. Yeah. Characters like Harley and Deadpool and and these like huge personalities, there's a reason they're fan favorites. There's a reason that mm. whole like in, entire IPs are dedicated to... To them when they were originally like weirdo side characters or throwaway characters. People latch on to these characteristics, these like big bombastic personalities because it's different. So when you format them into this like bubble like, oh, well, we can't let her overpower everything else in the movie. Well, then why is she in your movie? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think uh, the real success of this movie is that it's an absolute masterclass in casting. Every role fit perfectly. Like the person played their role perfectly. And the the chemistry that was played off between all of the team members, all the way down to Sylvester Stallone voicing King Shark. So cute. And, you know, that is a nod to James Gunn. Even the, and this is a smidge spoilery, but even the like massive group of people that die in the very beginning yeah. were mostly made up of connections and friends of James Gunn. Yeah. And they played these, like, throwaway character roles so well. Yeah. Like, you instantly knew they weren't going to make it because they were cartoonish. You know, Pete Davidson, Nathan Fillion, Michael Rooker even. Um, They were were strange. They were cartoonish. They were goofy. It was all, like, every dialogue bit was a joke or a bit, you know? And it was just like, but they did it so well. And, you know, they all fit their individual little bits very well and then you go over to like the main cast that we see on all the posters and we see on all the trailers and stuff like that they fit all their roles really well and they play off of each other really well the chemistry between idris elba and john cena is some of the most fun i've had in a superhero movie in a long time it's just a very good so it's it's a master class in casting and a big part of that i think is james gunn roping in connections yeah like if you uh we won't go into depth over it but you mentioned it a little bit david desmalshan 
his connection to Polka Dot Man. Him and James Gunn have been friends for years. Yeah. So James was literally like, I want you for this. I basically wrote this um, character for And you. apparently, like, every, like, there's a quote from Margot Robbie about David Dosmalshan being in that role, being like, he's perfect for this. This is, this is who I saw in this role yeah, when I read the she script. She was like, I, I, and I can't believe he got cast because that's who I just saw. Just look it up. Look at, <laughs> there's an article I read recently, um, and there's a few different people reported on it about like his emotional, what he's said about that role. Uh, very, very important. And it's just very like it's really emotional. Sweet. It's really sweet, but it's absolutely, it's a masterclass in casting yeah. and it's, you know, we've seen some really good casting. In fact, Marvel's been knocking it out the park with casting for like years. Yeah. They've been doing a really, really good job. Um, but this needing so many people in this movie and getting basically every single one, right. You know, yeah. all the way down to Peter Capaldi as thinker. Beautiful. Wonderful. He did an incredible job with that character. It was yeah. a weird thinker character, but it worked. It was good. And he did a great job with yeah. that. Um, and it's just like being able to cast that many people and get like every single one right. Is impressive. Is really impressive. It's really even the bad guys who were so overshadowed by the, the personalities of the hero team, the Suicide <laughs> Squad itself. They kind of just flitter into the background to be kind of a generic scape yeah. for this bigger issue at hand. Yeah. Um, but even they did an incredible job. It was really, really, good. really well. So very good movie. Um, I think the reviews are kind of reflecting that it's doing way better than previous iterations of the Suicide Squad, but it definitely, it gets an easy like nine out of 10, 8.5 out of 10 for me. So I will. I'm going to do one little teeny bit of spoiler just because it stressed me out the whole movie. And I kind of wish someone had told me so that I didn't have to think about it the whole time. Oh, yeah. Good. Good point. Sebastian's fine. Sebastian and <laughs> King Shark do not die in this movie. They're fine. Uh, However, if you're big into birds. Oh, yeah. Maybe don't say that. I, okay. James. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Mr. Mr. Woo. Gunn. Mr. J-Man, <laughs> can we talk? I know you're listening. Um, I know you listen to every episode. You're, we really appreciate it. But um, birds, why? Did you get pooped on in the making of this movie? Did you, during, I listen, during a t-ball match, I got pooped on by a bird and it ruined my day. But I, I but like, did it really, did something like that happen? It really affect you? I had a bird poop on my Game Boy once. That was really heartbreaking. It can be really traumatic. I get it. I get, I get, I get like, it. But like, dude, um, you, you, yeah, you what? were like, we open the movie with bird death. And in the middle, it's like bird, bird Dem demolition. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it's, uh, it's, this movie is not kind to birds. No. So. It's like, bad like come on to be man. fair it's also not kind to people lots and lots of people yeah, gruesomely die we're a plague movie, but, but the poor birds um, but yes sebastian and king shark they're fine it's great you can watch with ease yeah. and and pleasant breaths <laughs> all right see final thought what thing should people be in as in as obscure of words as possible okay or as specific if you care okay uh what thing should people be moment or general theme or whatever should people be most excited about for this movie uh <laughs> sebastian's nap at the very end 
Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, I will say, and I say this as somebody who really likes this this actor comedian, uh, but still, I feel like it's a selling point for a lot of people, both who do and do not like him. If you've ever wanted to see Pete Davidson get shot in the face, yeah, now's your chance. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's true. If you, I mean, hey, if you've ever wanted to see Pete Davidson have a short amount of time in a Hollywood blockbuster. I was excited about that. Yeah, it was and pretty I liked good. Pete Davidson, but also he got shot in the face, and I thought that was really funny. It was pretty great. <laughs> so uh, that is our takeaway. Again, yes. we are back. Welcome Woo-hoo! to season two of yes. uh, Cover B. We will be pumping out regular episodes, and we're going to have more time uh, to pump out extra episodes, like yes. key issues. Uh, we might do an episode on Substack. Talk about that a little bit. Because uh, that's in everybody's mind right now. Yeah. Um, but keep an eye out for that stuff. Also, keep an eye out for newer, bigger, brighter things for us. Because we're gonna we're gonna try to really push hard. It's true. We've got we got big goals, big dreams, big plans. Looking at you, Patreon. And uh, <laughs> you know, James Gunn, if you really are listening, like hit me up. Our our emails on our website. That'd be really yeah. Cool. Hey, we'll do an interview. I'll be peeing myself literally the whole time, but we'll do an interview. I mean, I don't, I, I would be willing to pay you and I don't have a lot of money, but <laughs> you know, I got some coins stashed aside. I haven't gone to the coin star in a while, but you know, if you want to catch other episodes, <laughs> if you want to catch other episodes of cover B, you can find them all on our website. Yes. Uh, there's a lot of episodes on there where we're not sweating like pigs it's so during the whole time. Oh the two God. of us are just wiping and like. <laughs> smolting right now. I don't it's know if smolting is a word, but um You can also find us on social media on yep. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Coverbee Podcast. Yep. And that's gonna do it for us. We need to go hydrate because yeah. I have lost all of my bodily <laughs> fluids in the past hour. Uh if you want more cover B, we'll keep coming back then. We'll see you soon. Yay, we're back. <laughs> Bye everybody. Bye, guys. <laughs>